I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. We're going to welcome to the podcast, uh, Carl Allen. He's a world-class entrepreneur, investor, and corporate deal maker who has worked on more than 330 transactions worth close to $48 billion. Uh, this is the longest bio ever, so I'm going to pick through here. Carl founded Deal Micro Wealth Society, formerly Ninja Acquisitions, because he believes starting a business from scratch is certifiably batshit crazy. Yep. We are the craziest people on the planet. Um, he wanted to use his highly specialized skill to help others realize their dream of self employment. Um, didn't have to be a long, hard, up all night slog. It is a slog. I said that the other day. <laughs> like, this is a slog. Uh, with a 96% failure rate in 10 years, according to the E Myth revised by Michael Gerber. Today, he's helping thousands of entrepreneurs all over the world buy existing, profitable small businesses that will immediately put money in their pockets. And best of all, he teaches them how to do this without a dime of their own capital. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Absolutely. Um, so first, first questions first. What was your first job? My first job. So this is really interesting. My first job was uh, I was a structural engineer. So I went to college and uh, did structural engineering, was top of my school and got a really good job in that industry. And then my buddy who I lived with at university was earning four times as much money as I was mm-hmm. in an investment bank. And he had 10% of my brain power. So I went to see him one weekend in London and we were out in a bar having a beer and his boss was there. So I, his boss pitched me. He's like, dude, come work for me. I'll quadruple your salary. So I did, I quit my engineering job and I went into the deep dark world of investment banking. This is back in 1992 in London. And I went to work for Bank of America, which is one of the oldest investment banks in the world. And uh, that started my career as, as a deal maker. So I worked in the investment banking world for a number of years, um, ended up in corporate M&A. So I was buying businesses mm-hmm. for HP, the big uh, IT company. And then um, I quit in 2008. I almost missed the birth of my son. So I quit. I walked away from a million dollars in options and bonuses and became an entrepreneur, started buying and selling my own businesses. Um, and I still do that today. I own a private equity fund. We own a ton of small businesses all over the world. But uh, my real passion is, is I coach five and a half thousand entrepreneurs and small business owners all over the world, how to buy businesses uh, without using their own money. That's yeah. my, uh, that's my skill set. I love it. Um, how does, does structural engineering at all, or like your the way your brain works, does that, does that translate to what you do now? A little bit. Yeah. So obviously to be a structural engineer, you've got to be very, very good at math. Mm-hmm. You've got to be very, very good at process. Mm-hmm. And it's all about understanding risk. So obviously if you're designing a bridge or a building, mm-hmm. you've got to make sure that it isn't going to fall down and kill people and, and corporate finance mergers and acquisitions. It's about numbers. It's about process and it's about risk. So very, very strong uh, parallels, really. Yeah, I always find it's very interesting because we think things are very, very different, but really they're very, very similar (laughs) a lot of the time. When I was at college, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Mm. 
and I almost made it. But then uh, in my final game for graduation, I completely smashed my knee <gasps> and had a major um, cruciate ligament operation. Um, and this is back in the days when that would finish your career. And he mm. did. So, uh, yeah, luckily I was pretty smart, had a great degree. So uh, decided to become a business guy. And I've probably made more money in business than I ever would have done in professional sports. So uh, exactly. not, not that, not that worried about it. <laughs> not mad about it. Um, so you advocate for people to buy businesses instead of, instead of start up from the ground. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It, it's the number one thing um, that I believe if, mm -hmm. if you had to put me on the spot and said, you know, there's only one thing you can ever believe in your life. It's that because mm -hmm. Ignore my opinion for a second. Let me give you some market data. So mm -hmm. in 2019, according to the SBA, 6.6 .6 million Americans started a new business from scratch. 6.6 mm -hmm. .6 million. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you listen to, if it's the US Labor of Statistics, they'll tell you 70% of them will fail. Mm -hmm. If you listen to Michael Gerber, who's a friend of mine, Grant Cardone is also a friend of mine, um, or any of the kind of business gurus, they'll tell you 96% will fail inside of 10 years and 50% will fail inside of the first year alone. Mm -hmm. And there's no wonder because when you start a business from scratch, you just, it's just you, you have no products, no services, no employees, no customers, no cash, no cash flow, no credit, no one, as you know, mm -hmm. will lend money to a startup business. Uh, and you've got no reputations. It's really, really hard to make it work. And my analogy to all this is um, like like Tesla. Mm -hmm. So we've just got Tesla in the UK. Like I know in the US it's huge. In the UK we're a little bit more old fashioned. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have Tesla until now. So I just ordered a Tesla because I was one of the Tesla. Right. I used to own a Tesla rental company in Boston. It's one of my oh, deals. Cool. But I always wanted a Tesla. So so did I, so I had two choices to own a Tesla, did I go on eBay and buy all the bits? Did I buy the windscreen, the wheels, the battery, all the electrical cabling, the steering mm. wheel? And then did I did I go on YouTube and figure out how to build a Tesla and line all the components on my driveway and stick them all together, hoping it would work? Or did I go to the Tesla dealership? Did I buy one that they've already built? And did I finance it using Tesla's money? That's what I did. Mm -hmm. So that's the same analogy for me to go into business. Don't start a business from scratch and reinvent the wheel. In America right now, there are 2.5 million businesses for sale between one and $5 million in revenues, 2.5 million. A lot of that's driven by the baby boomers. 10,000 mm -hmm. are retiring every day. Mm -hmm. according to the Wall Street Journal, and tons of them own small businesses. You've got entrepreneurs that start businesses, get some traction, then get bored and want to go off and do something else. There's, there's loads of different reasons why business owners want to sell. So you've got two and a half million businesses for sale. And last year, there's about 230,000 230, businesses sold. So it's a one in 11 ratio. So for every 11 businesses that try to sell, 10 of them don't sell. So my advice to an entrepreneur is don't start a business and fail. Go and buy one that someone's built that's making money. It's got everything in it that a startup doesn't have. Go and buy it. And I can show you how to buy it using other people's money. And, and what I mean by that, it's not like a scammy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When I talk about other people's money, 
going to get very technical with you now. That's good. I what, think people what, need to know how this works. What, uh, what we're doing, and this is a Wall Street term, and, and I used to be a Wall Street guy, so I know, it's called a leveraged buyout. It's mm -hmm. called LBO. And what a leveraged buyout is, is essentially you acquiring a business and you're paying for that business essentially using three ways. You're using equity investment from an investor, could be a private equity firm or angel investor, or if you want to, it could be your own money or friends and family money. That's a that's typically zero to a very small portion of the deal. And then you're able to raise capital against the strength of the business and the quality of the business resources. The biggest lender uh, right now in the United States is the SBA. They have two loans. One's called the um, the 504. Um, and then you've got the SBA 7A loan. Mm -hmm. um, the SBA will lend you up to 90% of the purchase price of a business. Isn't that crazy? Uh, 90%. Buyer puts in minimum five, seller carries a minimum five in, in paper. If you go on bizbysell.com mm -hmm. and you trawl through the tens and hundreds of thousands of businesses for sale, some of them are offering 90% seller financing or even 100% seller financing. So every seller in the world will mm -hmm. take five or 10% carried in paper so if you're if you want to buy a business that's worth a million dollars you might only need fifty thousand dollars to do that deal so fifty thousand dollars um you could get it out of the business if it's got surplus cash you could partner with an investor if you don't want to put the money in yourself so fifty thousand dollars can buy you a business worth a million dollars um using an sba loan the problem is Virtually nobody knows how to do it. Nobody knows how to find a business. Nobody knows how to negotiate with a seller. Nobody understands the really simple way to value a business and structure a deal. And nobody understands very simple methods to check that the business is the right one for you to buy so that then you can close that deal and then become the owner. So my passion, Jamie, was five years ago, I figured this out. I, I thought, well, you've got millions of entrepreneurs crashing and burning trying to start businesses. It's you've painful. got millions of people trying to sell businesses. Mm -hmm. And I tried to plug the gap, but nobody knew how to do it. And obviously, because I'm in my 29th year of doing this, mm -hmm. clearly I know how to do it. Right. Uh, so I thought I'm going to educate and coach and mentor mm -hmm. entrepreneurs so they can do what I do. So I built a proprietary system, which... I learned how to do on Wall Street with mega deals and just applied it to the nuances of acquiring a small business. So we only really look at deals in the 1 million to 5 million revenue range. That's really our sweet spot uh, that we target. And why that range? So what's really interesting is when you, if you buy a business, um, so you, you you could extend that range from say half a million to ten million. The sweet yeah. spot's one to five, but yeah. you know when you when you look at businesses sub half a million dollars in revenues, the problem is really you're buying a job. You're mm -hmm. buying typically a sole practitioner or a business mm -hmm. that really the owner is the business. They, they they don't have a business in my opinion. They just have a job. So they created their, their own W two job. That's right. And and what you tend to find is that all the processes are kind of stuck in their head, all the relationships with their customers 
uh, with them. So if, if they're not in the business, it doesn't work. Um, so I avoid those types of deals. And then when you go above 5 million and definitely when you go above 10 million, that one in 11 sell ratio tumbles uh, mm. because you've got larger competitors and large private equity firms mm. that are kind of looking around at those businesses. So if you're a 50 million revenue business, you want to buy businesses between the 10 and 20 million range. You won't buy a $2 million business. It takes you the same amount of time to do a small deal as it does to do a large deal. In fact, larger deals are easier because um, it's easier to raise capital. So no one's really playing in that kind of small end of the market. Um, so I, I'm, I'm obviously doing it because there's a big market need to teach people how to do this. But also for me, my, my legacy in this world, it's not about money. I got more than enough money now to do what I want to do. You know, I've got five children, grandchildren. Um, you know, I'm 50 now. For me, my, I want my legacy to be, I solve one of the biggest problems uh, mm -hmm. in this economy. It, it stopping entrepreneurs from failing mm -hmm. and instead having them buy businesses so that sellers could retire with their legacies intact. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're doing, uh, one deal at a time. Do you find, uh, I really believe in that one to 5 million range, um, it's easier to grow those businesses because they have the backbones, they have the employees, they have, you know, like they've yeah. already figured out the growth formula yeah. uh, for that business. So generally when we see, you know, our clients getting to like that one to 2 million, like we're like, okay, <laughs> things are going to start going like crazy, you know, because it's really hard to kind of get to that first million and then that second million. But then from there, there really is, you know, kind of, like you said, processes and people and backbones and things just grow faster after that. Yeah, yeah, they do. And and what's interesting is, you know, once you get to seven figures, there's mm -hmm. actually two ways that you can grow a business. You can grow it organically. Um, so more customers, more channels to market, more leads, more marketing, more salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the smarter way to grow is I'm going to be, you're going to be tired of me saying this by the end. Um, the, the quickest way to grow is just acquire more businesses. Mm -hmm. So let's say you started a business. Let's say you were crazy enough five years ago to start a company from scratch and you made it. You got to a million dollars in revenues mm -hmm. and $100,000 in cash flow and you're five years in. For you to get to 2 million making, say, 300, it might take another three years. You can double the size of your business in a day by going and acquiring another company that strategically aligns to what you're already doing. So let's say you're a landscaping company, you know, go buy a hardscaping company. Let's say you're an electrical uh, electrical contractor, go buy a carpentry business. You know, if you're a software company, go and buy an IT services company. If you're a publishing company, go buy a marketing agency. If you're a PR company, go buy a HR company, you know, go and buy a company that has got synergies with what you're already doing, because then you can sell your services to the customers you've acquired. Mm -hmm. You can sell the products and services you've just acquired to your existing customers. So it's like a one plus one equals three on the revenue side. Mm -hmm. But then when you bring two businesses together, there are lots of duplicate costs that you can take out from the business, you know, premises, you know, the, the salary of the owner for one duplicate admin costs and insurance and HR and CPA costs. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry about that. Uh, all these costs that you have. Now that's going to double. 
So, so if you're my CPA, so let's say, Jamie, you're my CPA, I own a business, and I go buy another business mm -hmm. of the same size, and I combine them together, mm -hmm. I'm not going to pay you as my CPA and pay the other CPA. I'm going to get rid of the other CPA, and you're going to be doing more work in those two businesses, and you're probably not going to charge me double. Mm -mm. It's all together. So when you multiply that through your entire cost base of your business, employees, overhead, admin, purchasing power. Getting some economies buying. of scale. Yeah, you get all the economies of scale. So what that means is all that saving drops the bottom line. So whilst it's a one plus one equals three on the revenue side, mm -hmm. it tends to be like a one plus one equals five on the cash flow side. And because businesses are typically worth a multiple of their free cash flow or their profitability, mm -hmm. then just by acquiring another business, you can 5x your value of your business and ultimately your net worth. So, um, so I, I don't just help entrepreneurs buy their first business. Mm -hmm. I also help existing business owners scale via acquisition. That's awesome. Um, so if you're brand new and you're like, do I do a startup or do I want to buy a business? How do we, how do we know if we're buying a good business for us? Yeah. So it's what I call my perfect deal triad. So when you start out, there are really three, uh, there are three boxes you need to tick. Uh, first of all, you need to buy a business that resonates with you. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say you're, uh, let's say you're a sales guy working for IBM. Then it would be very sensible for you to go and buy a small technology company, a web design firm, an SEO agency, a little IT services reseller or something. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't go and buy a laundromat or a comic book store or a vineyard. Um, it's all about staying in your lane because it's so much easier to build relationships with sellers and understand these deals if you're from that industry. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is... It's all about the seller. So what you want to ideally find is a distressed seller of a good business, not the other way around. There's plenty of good sellers of distressed businesses. What I mean by distressed business is it's not making any money. Mm -hmm. So it's losing money or it's got no cash flow. You don't want to do those deals because whilst you, you can buy them for a dollar in some cases, you've got to physically get in there and get your hands dirty to turn those businesses around. Mm -hmm. It's easy to make money buying a profitable business because if it's profitable, then someone's going to give you financing to buy it. And then it's got management and infrastructure and things in place so that you can work on the business, mm -hmm. not in the business. You know, I own 10 businesses. I don't work in any of them. Um, I, I, I don't. We were talking about this before. I'm, I'm not an operator. I, I'm a deal maker and I, I'm the visionary strategic guy. So I'll, I'll figure out with my teams what I want to do. And then I let them just kind of get on with it. And then I check in with them on a, on a weekly basis. That's, you know, if, if I was running any one of my companies, they'd all fail because it's not my skill set. Um, so, so that's really important. So just to recap, you need stay in your lane, do a deal in an industry you know, mm -hmm. find a distressed seller of a good business, someone that's highly motivated to retire, they're burnt out, frustrated, bored, run out of ideas, they could mm -hmm. be sick, sadly could be dying in some cases. And then thirdly, you want to find a business that's got some financial DNA. So it's got ideally, it needs cash flow, mm -hmm. and even better if it's got assets as well. 
because then there's uh, there's trillions of dollars of financing in the markets for you to go and buy it, whether it's the SBA, whether it's traditional bank lending, whether it's financing real estate, equipment, other assets like that. There's uh, tons of equity investment out there, whether it's venture capital or it's the angel investment communities. There's all this money because interest rates are so low for money on deposit. Everybody wants to invest money in stuff that's going to give them higher yields and higher returns. So that's why for good deals with good people, um, there's always money to lend, especially now. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, speaking to the asset piece, um, it's easier to get financing if you have hard, hard assets that, you know, you can sell off or, you know, something happens and it also feels more secure, I think for people who are purchasing and also investing. Um, so it's interesting that, um, you know, we've, I, I've had clients do buys, um, or I've, I do diligence, I do due diligence for, um, for purchases, um, looking at the tax returns, looking at financials, um, these small businesses are a lot of the time kind of a mess. <laughs> and I'm just always like, this might be a good one to buy, you know, like once we get rid of this, that, and the other thing, you know, the bottom line is going to go up. Um, it's very interesting. I think it's hard for people who, um, who are going out on their own to, to imagine running a full fledging business. Cause a lot of the time you're right. They are just recreating their jobs or creating, you know, their W2 for themselves. Um, so what is the big money mindset shift that, that kind of have to walk people through on that? Yeah. So there's two actually, um, one is in doing the deal and secondly is in owning the business. So in doing the deal, your job really is to be like the coach of the team. Mm -hmm. So for example, if, if you were acquiring a business, but you're unique, if you were acquiring a business like another CPA firm, mm-hmm. you would probably do your own financial due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never do that. Um, I never do any of the legal work. I never do any of the due diligence at all. I get people to do that for me uh, because you know they're quicker at it than me and they're better at it than me. My, my skills finding the deals, raising the financing and negotiating win-win terms with a seller. Mm-hmm. In terms of vetting the business financially, commercially, and legally, mm-hmm. I don't do any of that shit. I, uh, I, can, I can do it, mm-hmm. it's boring as hell. I can do it if I had to, but I would rather, um, and this is the thing, I don't even pay them. The company pays them uh, mm-hmm. once the deals are closed. It's the way the industry works. So I'd rather partner with those people to do all that work for me and, and just advise me whether or not this is a safe, business to buy and you know am i am i offering the right sort of terms so that's the first money mindset shift to do deals and then once you acquire a business for me it's all about you being again the coach of the team and it's for me it's about working on the business Mm -hmm. never in the business so i am never driving the bus in my business Mm -hmm. i'm setting the course so I'm, I'm the GPS in my business. I'm not the bus driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a general manager running my business or, or a CEO or whatever to run that business for me. Because, you know, really, I have five jobs. I do mergers, acquisitions, exits, joint ventures, and, and I, I get involved in the strategic visionary work of my businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do anything else. Um, 
One, because I'm not very good at that stuff. But two, this is why I can own tons of businesses. You know, if I had to work in every one of my businesses, I'd be dead within 30 days. Uh, well, I couldn't because they're all over the world. They're in Australia, they're in the US, they're in Europe. So you know, I can't be in three places at once. So, so for me, it's about those two shifts in mindset. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, it's always about partnering. Um, And I'm very, very generous, as I mentioned to you before, Um, when I do deals, half of the ownership I'm giving away. Mm -hmm. And my wife's like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, I get to spend every day with you, honey, because (laughs) I got people driving really hard, running those businesses and growing our wealth, because I don't have to be there. So I'd rather own half of something and spend an hour a week working on that business Mm -hmm. than own 100% and then spend 60 hours a week working on that business. So yeah, and that I, works out. And I think it's very important to, um, you know, one of the things we talk about is ownership and that's, you know, ownership of your job, ownership of things, ownership of your responsibilities. But if people have like tangible ownership, yeah, then they're going to want to grow it. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you, you're just like, mm, yeah, it looks good. Or how about if we go this way and then they're growing both of it for you and them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my, my word is slightly different. My word is accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's making people accountable for, for those results. So, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, if you, let's say you went out and you bought uh, a PR company mm-hmm. and you thought, I don't want to go and run that business. It's boring, but it's going to make tons and tons of money. And that's not boring. So uh, let's say you go buy that business and you hire a GM on $80,000 a year to go in and run that business for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of doing that, if you bought that business and gave that GM 20%, 30%, whatever, and paid them the same salary, do you think they're going to grow that business harder and faster with that incentive? They are. So when you look at the math over time, you, you might have a business that's worth five times the amount. Yes, you've diluted your ownership, but you've got somebody that's so vested Mm-hmm. in the future performance of that business, it's going to pay you back multiple times. You're convincing me right now. <laughs> and sadly, most people don't get that. No. Most people don't get that. And I don't know whether it's greed. Uh, I'm not judging people, but but unfortunately, most people have this micromanagement mindset. They mm-hmm. want to own it all. And, mm-hmm. and that's great, but you won't grow your wealth fast enough if, if that's your process. Uh, but for some people, that's fine. There are, you know, if you look at the five and a half thousand people that I coach and mentor every week, about a third of them um, want to be like me. They want to own portfolios. They want to travel the world. They want to own multiple businesses. About a third of them just want to broker deals. So they want to be a deal maker, connect A to B and take a big mm-hmm. fee out of the middle. And then another third of them they want to be the owner operators of their own businesses. And, and that is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the case, you're only ever probably going to own one business. But for you to go in, buy a million dollar business, finance it using other people's money, work in it for five years and sell it for five million, five million dollars before tax might be a capital sum of money that you can live the rest of your life comfortably. And, and that is absolutely fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it, it's different people have different requirements. I, I have students that have acquired nearly a hundred businesses um, and are making four, five, six million dollars a year in income. Hmm. Uh, there are some people that 
I've just bought one business and they're happy with 100K. Yeah, it's that depends on who you are and what, what your goals are in life, I suppose. But uh, this is the beauty of doing deals. It's so scalable. Um, it, and it can work for anybody that's hungry enough and, and has got some basic business understanding in the sector that they want to do deals in. Yeah, I find it really interesting, um, and I think you and I talked about this in your pre-interview. I've I've had the experience because I'm a CPA of people starting businesses or buying businesses and not and using their own leverage. Yeah, <laughs> um, and most of them are like mid managers in corporate, um, and they fail. Like yeah. every time I talk to some of those clients, I'm just like, this is not going to last long. You know, like I, it's too late usually by the time I get in there, but they don't know how to run a business or build a business from the bottom up. Um, and then they're losing their entire savings. I know it's crazy. So the two big mistakes in that is number one, don't use your own money. Uh, when there's trillions of dollars available, why would you use your own money? If, if you could get 90% of the financing for a business from the SBA on a minimum 10 years at 7%, why wouldn't you do that? That they'll even, you don't even have to pay for the first year at the moment. They'll give you the money and it's like, yeah, start paying us in a year. Okay, thank you. Um, so why would people do that? And then secondly, you know, knowing an industry is one thing, knowing how to run a small business is another. Some people try it and do really, really well. But if you're not skilled in that place, just go get somebody that can do it for you. And, and typically those people are within the company. You know, I, I always, one of my primary criteria I'm looking at a deal is, does it have a really solid number two that can mm -hmm. step up and run it for me? I, I recently bought um, a, a sign and display company in the UK. This was about three weeks ago. Um, it's doing a couple of million dollars in revenue, super profitable. And uh, I did that deal and uh, it had a really solid operations manager in that business. Mm -hmm that uh, I knew was hungry for more and wanted to take that role. Um, and he's now my MD, managing director of that business and he's driving it for me and doing very, very well. So um, so those, it, it's, a lot of this is about mindset shifts. Um, you, you've got to think differently when you're doing deals. You, you, you've got to partner with people. Uh, you've got to get leverage on yourself, on capital. Uh, that's the name of the game. Yeah. Um, and it's a mindset shift from abundance to scare from scarcity to abundance, right? You're like, I can buy a $1 million business where the owner's already making a hundred grand usually. Um, or I can build something from the bottom up and it's going to take a while to get there. And it does as a business owner who's in her eighth year, it takes a while because we're still trying to figure out who we serve and how we serve them and all of that. Yeah. I, I think, I think the problem that we have mm -hmm. is, especially in the US, it, it's really cool and sexy to start a company. Like you, you, you look at Mark Zuckerberg, you look at Elon Musk, mm -hmm. you look at the late Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, people that you know created billion dollar enterprises mm -hmm. from college dorm rooms, mm -hmm. from, from, from nothing. And you know, one, one in a million companies get to that stage, it's crazy. So really to defy those odds is you know, virtually impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got a better chance taking your money down to Vegas and putting it 
you know, yeah. putting it all on black 17. Yeah, those uh, are like the 0.001%. Yeah, you've got better odds doing that in Vegas than you have creating a, a, a massive company from, from literally nothing. It's, mm-hmm. it's so risky. Um, so, so for me, if, if you've got that entrepreneurial itch, yeah. um, go buy a business in a sector that's similar. Even if you want to invent some really cool new technology or product or service that the world's never seen, fine, I won't stop you. Mm-hmm. But first, go and acquire a business that can do that with you. Mm-hmm. And then whilst you're innovating and doing all this crazy stuff, it's making money already. And then once you've built whatever you want to do, A, you've got employees that can help you do it. And then B, you've got customers that will probably buy it as well. So go and innovate from within an existing company. Do not reinvent the wheel. Um, It's the single biggest piece of advice. They're they're going to etch that on my tombstone. (laughs) Never start a business, buy one. Um, The only business you should ever start is your deal-making business. So it's you incorporated. Mm-hmm. That's the only business you should ever start. That's the one that I invest the 5% in these other businesses. <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you just give us a couple success stories? Some of your couple of your favorites, people you've helped by businesses. And... Oh, wow. We're going to be here all night. Well, just, just give me two. Actually. Give, me, um, give me your top two. So, so we, we've, we've talked about... Um, you know, there's been some phenomenal success stories across, you know, because I because I've worked with thousands and thousands of students, you know, there's been some incredible success stories. But let, let me give you a couple of like really, really interesting ones. So um, uh, you're you're considerably younger than me. So you might not remember this. Not that considerably. <laughs> in the 1980s, do you remember a guy called Victor Remington? Sounds familiar. Sorry, no, Victor Kayam, who um, bought the Remington Shaver Company. And there was a commercial on TV. Mm, you said, I like the shaver so much, I bought the company. So I have a, so there's a guy in, in our program called Chris Matthews, mm-hmm. who used to be a really big, huge guy. The, the guy was like 400 pounds. And he went to a weight loss clinic and he paid all this money. And he dropped like a third of his body weight and became like the super tone guy. And he was so like enamored with the process um, when he found out that the clinic owner wanted to retire, um, he, uh, he, he joined my, one of my programs, learned how to do it, and he bought this clinic using other people's money. So he was so passionate about a process he'd gone through, mm-hmm. he bought that business. And so when, whenever someone buys a business uh, and they're in our Facebook group and you know, we have them celebrate, uh, I always give them a call. We send them like a deal tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called him up and I said, okay, right, now just go and buy another one. And he did. Now he's bought five of these things. He owns six in total. And then he looked at his income statement and he was spending all of this money on the nutritional supplements. So we then went out and bought that company. Um, so now he has this multi seven figure group it. of businesses. So he's, he's a great story. And then, Another and another gentleman called Coastal Azuma, who's a very very good dear friend of mine now. He uh, he he literally couldn't feed his family. He had no money. These used to um, used to go out to the shop in the morning to buy bread and just didn't have the money to feed his family. Oh and uh, so he went out on an acquisition spree. Um, 
he he bought five businesses. He bought an accountancy firm, a professional mm. services company. Um, he then started buying daycare centers. And then he uh, he was at an African resort. He's originally from, uh, from Ghana. Mm-hmm. So he took his family to Ghana to this African resort for a vacation. Again, he's got all these people running his businesses. Mm-hmm. So he was at this African resort. And his wife, this is a true story, his wife turned around to him and said, Coastal, you know, can you weave your magic? Wouldn't it be lovely to kind of own this resort? And I kid you not, the guy freaking bought that resort. He went and saw the owner, <laughs> developed a rapport and a conversation. He acquired that resort. Again, didn't spend any of his own money. He did that deal. So I'm still waiting for the invitation, damn it, for me to take my family. Um, oh, and two, if you're listening to this. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I want... Coastal, if you're listening, where's my invite, my friend, to take my family to the resort? I taught you how to do this, darn it. Um, so, um, Love to tag it. So, yeah, those are really good stories. And, and you know, there's loads of people. I, you know, Wayne Ticker um, was a you know, kind of high-powered IT consultant in the telecoms industry. Um, you know, he was just tired of not being with his family all the time. So he went and bought a phenomenal HVAC business. Uh, and again, he works on that business, not in it. So he gets loads of time um, with his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I could go on for hours, but uh, phenomenal stories. So do you find if people buy businesses, I mean, you want to buy something that you kind of know something about, but um, I had a client buy a business he knew nothing about. And he's like, this means I can never work in it. <laughs> you know, like if you like, if, as an accountant, I go by, I don't even know, like an HVAC business or a plumbing business. I'm not a plumber or an HVAC person. I can't ever step in. No, like but, I it would force yeah. me to run. The so the, the key to that, Jamie, is you can't do that deal without a partner. You can't do that deal without somebody that's going to be able to run that business. Or a, goal, a good and, number two. Yeah. And it's not just about running the business. It's also about the deal. Because mm-hmm. uh, so let let's say let's say you decided one day to sell your CPA firm. Let's mm-hmm. say you had a multi seven figure CPA firm, and you don't want to sell to a massive CPA firm that will rip it apart and asset strip it and fire all your employees. You want to sell to somebody that's a safe, trusted pair of hands, someone that's going to honor your legacy, protect your employees, look after your customers, mm-hmm. keep the name of the business, and somebody that you're going to applaud from the sidelines. So I rock up to your business Mm -hmm. and I have absolutely no understanding whatsoever of your industry. I know nothing. I can't even spell um, certified public accountant. I don't (laughs) know what it means. And I'm rocking up wanting to buy your business. You're not going to sell to me. And even if you did, when I go to the SBA for the capital to buy your business, they're not going to give me the money either because they're thinking well why should we back you when you know nothing about this industry you you know but if I rocked up with a partner mm-hmm. that had spent 15 years in um, KPMG mm-hmm. and you know was going to be my partner in in buying your firm and running your firm you know you're going to have a much better feeling and as are the SBA so uh, so for me you should never buy a company um if, if you don't know anything about that industry and you don't have people in your team that can do all of those things. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, they're doing great. You know, you just yeah. got this like completely almost like 
random, but then if you think about it, he's got, he does real estate and he bought a cleaning company. So it actually kind of like, he, like here he had some people in his network and things like that, but he's like, but I'm never cleaning anything. Right. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to ever be a technician. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting to think about, you know, I think there is a whole mindset in the U.S. about like, we have to do things from scratch with our hands. And that's the only way we'll ever be successful. No. Wrong. When the, when the in odds- my opinion, it's crazy. And the market data backs <laughs> me up. I think it's absolutely certifiably batshit crazy. It's yeah. the hardest, most dangerous thing you'll ever do to start a company from scratch. What I love about what you said is, you know, part of part of the the process of selling this thing or purchasing a business is creating your team of advisors and being like and having the right people. Because I believe I have the hardest time with people who start up who refuse to do a proper team. Like they won't you know, like an accountant, they won't, like, they never have business lawyers. Like, yeah. if you do a purchase, you already have your team and they already know you and you can yeah. utilize them sport. over and over and over again. It's a team sport. Have you watched The Last Dance? No, the, so. uh, the, the The Netflix show. It's about the Chicago Bulls, oh, uh, who are arguably the greatest basketball team in history. Michael Jordan. Uh, they, they won six world championships in seven years. And everyone talks that. about Michael Jordan. Greatest basketball player of all Scottie time. Pippen. But he had the team with him. Mm-hmm. He had Scottie Pippen. He has number Dennis two, Rodman. Scottie Pippen. He had Pippen. He had Dennis Rodman. He had yes. Steve Kerr, who's now the coach of the Golden State Warriors. He had a team. Mm-hmm. And through that team, they dominated. So he was the face and the genius and the, you know, the power behind that team. But without everyone else, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't have done what they did. So having a team in deals is really, really critical. So I'm really glad you uh, you made that point. Yeah, it's really critical in business period. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's a struggle when you're a startup <laughs> to create that team. Um, I have so many teams. I have all the teams. I have, you know, coaches and people and, you know, the outside eye stuff is so important for every yeah. business. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Okay, last question. Um, for someone who, oh, actually, before before the last question, um, what is the easiest way for people to find you? So uh, dealmakerwellsociety.com mm-hmm. is uh, the website of my uh, my training empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sign up for my, uh, it's called Confessions of a Dealmaker. Mm-hmm. So uh, I publish three times a week, you know, where I am in the world, deals that I'm doing, lessons I've learned, oh, all those different things. Um, you might notice that I'm sat in my library right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a fake kind of backdrop. My, na- neither is mine. Oh. Neither is mine. Mine's true for I'm, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pull my own book off the shelf. My own book. So I've written a book on this stuff. It's mm-hmm. called Zero Down Business Buying Secrets: mm-hmm. How to Buy an Established Profitable Business Using None of Your Own Money. So you can go buy this on Amazon. It's like thirty dollars. But I'm gonna give you guys a really special link. I think it's a five dollar link. Uh, to go and read this book. So anyone that's got any interest or inclination in understanding how deals work, how to find businesses, um, I cover it all in my book. People have read this book and and gone and closed deals. So if they go to uh, trainwithcarl.com forward slash abundant beans, which is your link. So trainwithcarl.com forward slash abundant beans. They can... They can download um, 
a super $5 link to, uh, you know, to get this book. And um, yeah, then for people that read it and think, yeah, I'm up for this. I don't want to buy another business or I want to become a business owner for the first time, but I'm going to need some coaching and some mentoring. Then there are options to partner with us at Dealmaker Well Society and we'll, uh, we'll take care of you. But uh, first and foremost, definitely read the book. Um, I love it. Yeah, and I wrote it myself, actually. I'm not <laughs> one of these guys that had a ghost author. It's only 92 pages. Um, I'm a man of very few words, but a lot of action. So uh, yeah, I uh, I wrote this book. And I, love um, it. I always say if I wrote a book, it would be all bullet points. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bullet points in here. Um, yeah, so loads of bullets. I'm all, I'm all about bullet points. Because, <laughs> you know, buying a business, what, once you dial your mindset in, Mm-hmm. It, it's not as hard as people think Mm-mm. it's buying a business is like buying a house you know, you've got to find one you like um negotiate a deal mm-hmm. and then go go raise the money that's it and then hire smart people to close the deal for you that's it yeah. it's not, it doesn't have to be any harder than that and that's the same whether it's a billion dollar wall street deal which i've done or it's a two million dollar company which you know i i, I bought just a few weeks ago so uh, it's that easy yeah, the one thing I want to say about um, you know people have a really are really afraid of debt or really afraid of loans, you know, in their business. This is the whole Dave Ramsey stuff, which I totally disagree with. Um, but if you buy a business that's already cash flowing, you know you can pay the debt off. Absolutely, and you know, let let me be honest with you. If you go to the SBA, if if they don't think this is a rock solid safe business that's going to yes. throw off cash they flow, they don't do risk. <laughs> They're not going to give you the money. No. They're not. Um, because the SBA insures, uh, in, in, the, the SBA loan is, is a, a retail bank like Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. who's giving you the money. But the, the small business administration, the federal government is underwriting the loan. So mm-hmm. they're not going to vet that deal if it's not throwing off money. And, you know, it's the, the ratio that, that you and I both know it's uh, it's the cover ratio. Is mm-hmm. is the business in a worst case doomsday scenario going to throw off more cash flow per year mm-hmm. than it needs to service the loan? Yes. Assets okay. over equity right. or uh, assets over debt. Yeah. So and you know they're going to want to see at least uh, a one and a half or a, or a two times ratio of that. Mm-hmm. So if they're thinking, well, worst case scenario, if everything goes wrong. This business is going to make double the amount of cash it needs to pay back the loan. They're going to do the deal. Um, so it's you know that that's why they do it. If they don't think that's the case, then um, you know they're not going to give you the money. So um, and you know debt is you know you need debt. You need debt to leverage anything. Mm-hmm. You know if, if there wasn't a debt market, no one would buy a house. Well, not many people would buy a house. Um, you know everyone would be renting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love how you said you bought a Tesla and used Tesla's money. Yeah, absolutely. Because most people would say, "Why would why would you finance if you can?" I'm assuming you can pay cash for a Tesla. Yeah, but why would I? I so I never buy. I, I never spend my money on a depreciating asset ever. Mm-hmm. I I I tell a lie. Uh, I I bought a. Uh, I was 50 in October. And I bought an Audi R8 supercar. Well, my mm-hmm. wife bought it for me, actually. And she she paid cash for it. But it's not a brand new car. Yeah. They're like $200,000 new. Mm-hmm. 
after three years and 10,000 miles, there were $70,000. So, yep. so she bought me that for my birthday, but, uh, <laughs> but my other car um, is leased. So, you know, I, I would never pay cash for an asset that I know is going to depreciate. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Tesla, you go to Tesla in the UK, Tesla will lend you the money to buy their car. It's crazy. Well, yeah, they do. I mean, that's how we, yeah. that's all of so us, why, why so. wouldn't you do that? It's crazy. And, and, and it's usually about 0% financing. And I'm like, so, time, no. and, you know, if you and if you don't pay them the money, they'll just come take the car off you. They know where it is. It's like a giant iPhone on wheels, isn't it? They know where you are. <laughs> if, I, if, you don't, if you miss a payment, mm -hmm. somebody touches a keyboard somewhere and the car won't start. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're driving down the street, all of a sudden the payments fail. Mm, you grind to a halt. They, they can do that. It's really cool. I love so, it. I, and why, that's just, a, it's a whole shift in mindset about, you know, using other people's money, um, using debt to grow. Um, it's very interesting when I run into people that are very like, yeah, anti, people anti say this is crazy. You can't buy a business using other people's money. I said, well, why not? I said, did you buy a house using other people's money? Yes. Did you buy a car using other people's money? Yeah. Most people buy cell phones using other people's money. You don't go out and spend $1,500 on an iPhone. You get a contract with AT&T and it's $150 a month. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> this is what we do in life. It's crazy. So and people funny. don't understand that. And, yeah. um, you, you know, my, my bottom line and all that is it's what the Wall Street guys do. You think the guys on Wall Street use their own money to do deals? They, they don't. I used to be one of those guys. We use other people's money. All we're doing is taking that model mm -hmm. and using it for small and medium businesses. That's all we're it. doing. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Final question. So for someone who is looking to grow or start a business, what is the one thing they need to get clear on? Um, and with, re with regards to their, what they want. So the biggest piece of advice I can give people is focus on the why, not mm -hmm. the what. Most people are very good at figuring out what they want. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to get into business. I want to buy a business. That's all well and good. But like anything in life, one needs um, pig-headed discipline and determination to get things done. Mm -hmm. Whatever your goals are in life, whatever outcomes you desire, you need follow-through. You need to take consistent, massive action to get those results. And if your why, if your purpose is really dialed in, that gives you all the kind of fuel to kind of follow through and uh, and get things done. So yeah. understanding why you want to do something mm -hmm. is really important because you might think this is crazy, right? But nobody wants to buy a business. Nobody wants to own a business. What we work. want are the deep emotional benefits that owning a business will give you mm -hmm. wealth creation, cash flow, freedom, freedom, pride, insurance, assurance, you know, ego. Like, you know, there's nothing better than walking into the golf club and saying to your buddies, mm -hmm, I own the business now. I don't <laughs> work for anybody else. Um, my only boss right now is my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a, a boss anymore. And, yeah. you know, those are the drivers. And once you really dial in, why you want what you want. Um, it just makes life, you know, a lot easier. Uh, and I think that can apply to anything. That's uh, what I always say. If you don't know where you're going, I can't, we can't plan for it. No, absolutely. We can't do tax planning for it. I, if you don't tell me what you want, 
Yeah. I can't help you with what you have. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Welcome. Appreciated it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant. Be abundant.